As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, I'm Manny Navarro. I cover Miami for The Athletic. Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame, is with me today on today's episode of Until Saturday, the Athletics College Football Podcast. We're supposed to preview the ACC today with Nicole Auerbach. Pete, uh, Florida State's Board of Trustees meeting sent us in a bit of a different direction. Yeah, it's uh, interesting that uh, a, a program that has a, a, quote, insurmountable gap can find the money to buy <laughs> essentially two airplanes. Um, right. So things must <laughs> not be all terrible in Tallahassee, uh, despite... The fact that, uh, yeah, I, I get it. The league is being pulled away from by the SEC and the Big Ten, but it does seem like they're figuring out a way to make ends meet at places like Miami, Florida State, and Clemson. Yeah, money, a big topic these days in the ACC. We'll get into that shortly. Before we dive into this episode, be sure to follow uh, the Until Saturday podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, new episodes reach you as soon as they're released. If you could also drop us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. Drop us a comment with those reviews, too, and we'll try to answer your questions in a future mailbag episode. You can also check out Until Saturday on YouTube. Just hit subscribe so you know when the new videos are published. All right, Pete, before we get into our conference preview, before we get into Notre Dame, let's get into this Board of Trustees meeting with Florida State. Uh, the school president decided to join them uh, and I think effectively echo uh, what we heard a year ago from Michael Alford and, and you know the administration, at least in the athletic department, which is, hey, the ACC's TV deal sucks. It's not as good as the Big Tens or the SECs, and we could be out the door soon if things don't change. Uh, we'll hear soundbite shortly from Peter Collins. He's one of the uh, board of trustee members there for Florida State. Uh, but what are your initial thoughts on this puffing of the chest by FSU's leadership? I mean, it just seems like more of the same to me uh, from Florida State, and I, I'm sort of like at a loss to understand why the ACC thinks their TV deal should be in the same ballpark as the SEC or the Big Ten to begin with. Like, I, I get it. They signed a ridiculous grant of rights into the 2030s. But, I mean, just look at the TV ratings of last season. They had four games that ranked in the top five of that weekend all season. It's just not a league that gets a lot of eyeballs. And it's like, I go back to when Notre Dame was in the league in 2020 and the ACC Conference Championship game draws $10 million. Well, last year it draws 3.47. The year before, 
which I think was the wake pit year, 2.66 million. It's just, it's just not a league that brings people to the television. And without that, I don't, can their TV deal be better for sure. But the league, like last year, if you read some of the preseason, like what the quote unquote must watch a game in the league was, it was Miami Clemson, which got 1.14 million viewers. I got outdrawn by Notre Dame <laughs> Boston College, which I think was a 44 nothing blowout in a blizzard. So it's just the league has, I think, a reputation problem that feeds into this television problem. And but I don't think you can fix the television problem without fixing the reputation problem first. I, I agree with you 100%, Pete. And, and you know, I, that's not going to you don't just overcome that, right? Like Clemson making the playoff a couple of times and winning a couple of championships. Sure. That's nice for the ACC, but uh, you need to have more consistency. Nobody's been in the playoff two years in a row out of the league. And, uh, you know, you're locked into this deal. It is what it is. And I don't know if Florida State really has a play here. Uh, you know, it sounded to me like um, guys who just wanted to come out today and reiterate, hey, our TV deal sucks. We, we want something better. Work with us. But unless you've got another conference to run to, unless the Big Ten is positioning itself to welcome Florida State, I don't know where they're going to end up. I mean, this, it just seems to me like um, they can talk about this, and, it, and sure, it stinks to be behind $30 million for the next 13 years, uh, you know, in terms of the Big Ten and the SEC and the money that's doled out there. But um, unless the Big Ten comes calling, uh, I, what, what, what else can Florida State do, right? Yeah, they don't. They don't have options. Uh, and I mean, there's some reporting today that uh, Nicole Arbeck was on top of that. You know, the the Big Ten is exploring air quotes Washington, Oregon, maybe Cal, Stanford. I mean, if that's true, that the Big Ten's version of vision of where things are going is is very much West Coast, not Northern Florida. Um, and so at that point, like the SEC doesn't need Florida State. Um, I think Florida State is very much like a it's a high-level brand without a high-level brand conference that wants it, um, and that's that's just a, it's a tough spot to be in for them. But it does to me. It feels like your best case scenario is like you get really good with Clemson and Miami. That's to me. That's how the ACC becomes much more marketable and makes its money on an next TV deal. It has to have a much stronger Florida State and Miami than what the league has had really over the last 10 years. Or Notre Dame just decides. Yeah, or to- there's that. But I, I didn't even mention it because it's not really a possibility. But I mean, if you are if you cover the ACC, I do think you're contractually obligated to mention Notre Dame joining the league because if you look at, if you counted Notre Dame as an ACC member, that whole t- only four top five games uh, for the entire year, that basically doubles um, mm-hmm. because Notre Dame brings people to the television. Um, that would change the dynamics, I think, of how people saw the ACC um, and the money that they could command, whether that be from ESPN or some other network. Um, you're selling something completely different, but Notre Dame's in a position right now where they're negotiating NBC to extend their deal there. That's, there is they're in a stronger position of independence right now than they probably were ten years ago. Yeah, Rick McCullough, the president of Florida State, I think was bragging about averaging three point two million viewers per contest. I don't know where he got his math that they're averaging three point two million yeah, viewers. Yeah, that's per not contest. even close. Yeah, I it, it didn't make make a lot of sense to me. And bottom line is, uh, 
you know, win on the field, Florida State. You've had one double-digit win season here since your national championship, um, your last national championship, and it's been a struggle the last few years. Yes, uh, Mike Norvell's made progress, but win the win the ACC, right? Uh, I think they go out and win the ACC this year. Maybe they're in a better position next year, right, to, to give notice and say, hey, we, we're going to be out of the league in 25. Um, but right now, I don't see how they – what what foot do they have to stand on to before August 15th to say, hey, we're going to leave the ACC next year? Yeah, I think you're just sort of stuck in like you're perpetually putting your own league on notice that you're not happy with how things are going. It's like there's it, a lot of puffery in college athletics, which is one of the reasons we love it and laugh at it at the same time. And, you know, Flor- Florida State is kind of front of the line on that kind of stuff and they do a good job of it. And Look, they have every right to say they're not happy about how things are going to the ACC financially. But as you said, like, okay, well, what's your next step after after you voice your concerns? There, there really isn't one right now um, with where the grant of rights is and sort of how the league is positioned moving forward. So it, they may ultimately be better off winning as much as they can, increasing their brand, and, and you know maybe they can take their ball and go home at that point. But um, maybe the better outcome is with Clemson, with a stronger Miami, then the league becomes, I think, a lot more marketable once the next uh, TV rights come up in 2036. Yeah, I don't I don't know that we'll get to 2036, Pete, but <laughs> I, I certainly don't think Florida State's leaving tomorrow. I, I would be uh, completely stunned that the Big Ten uh, would make a move for them at this point. Um, let's get to some sound bites before we move on to the next subject. This is from Peter Collins, um, who's one of the board of trustee members at Florida State. Uh, I want to make sure that you get to hear what he had to say. When you think about what we're going to, where we're going to be next year with the SEC and, and the Big Ten relative to what we make, like I said, if you took our non-conference or non, take the TV revenue out of it, we're fourth, I think, in both conferences and an amount of revenue that we generate. But once you throw the TV contract in, that gap is is massive. When the gap gets that large, you know, is it insurmountable? And I think I said at our con, uh, at our meeting in February that, you know, it's almost impossible to make up that gap. And I think A.D. Alford said it's impossible. <laughs> and uh, he's not wrong. We're going to be $30 million, $35, $40 million behind um, the other conferences. And so that's an insurmountable gap that you have to do something about. So when I say we have a handle uh, on the grant of rights, you know, I think that I said it best. I mean, we have a very good handle on what our risks are under that document, um, what our opportunities are under that document. And that's the least of my worries. We have gotten a lot of counsel on that document, and that will not be the document that keeps us from taking action. Those Colin bites courtesy of War Chant TV. Here's some sounds from Wednesday's Board of Trustees meeting. Here are FSU President Rick McCullough and former Florida State quarterback Drew Weatherford. I think this continues to be a very difficult uh, issue. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world of conference realignment the, the, uh, with the, uh, the PAC deal uh, imminent. Um, and lots of, lots of things are going on. I would have to say that my <clears throat> current assessment of the situation after very deep analysis is that I believe that FSU um, will have to 
at some point uh, consider very seriously uh, leaving the ACC unless there were uh, a radical change to the revenue distribution. The simple fact is the cost of playing at the highest level um, is outpacing the ACC's ability to compete on a regular basis. I mean, it just, and meanwhile, not only does the SEC and Big Ten have such an advantage today, as those conferences continue to get bigger, their TV, their next TV deal comes up before our TV deal, guys. So they're going to pull further ahead um, when they cut their new deal. Now that Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC and USC and UCLA are in the Pac-12. And this is just one board member speaking. Unless something drastic changes on the revenue side at the ACC, it's not a matter of if we leave. In my opinion, it's a matter of how and when we leave. All right. So we heard from Florida State. Um, I want to get into uh, football. I want to start with your Irish, who really, by virtue of their blowout win over Clemson last season, probably would have been ACC champions had they decided to stay in the league after the COVID season, Pete. Uh, uh, let, let's talk about the football season. And I want to start with your Irish, who really, by virtue of their blowout win over Clemson last season, probably would have been ACC champions had they decided to stay in the league after the COVID season, Pete. Uh, tell me. Is this football team capable of making the playoffs with Sam Hartman at quarterback? Capable, yeah. I, I would not say that they have they have a roster built to be a favorite to make it, but you know, once you get outside of the Alabama, Florida, or Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia group, I think they're they're really sort of in that next mix. Um, you know, whether Michigan, um, you know, LSU. You know, Florida State, I think Clemson, those teams will have a puncher's chance at it. Uh, and, it and I think Sam Hartman gives Notre Dame probably its best quarterback it's had, at least since Jimmy Clausen, if not Brady Quinn. Um, so, I mean, we're talking, it's been a solid decade, I think, since Notre Dame's been able to put a quarterback on the field that you felt like he would be the reason why Notre Dame won a game. Like, they've had good quarterbacks, but I think they've been more sort of a product of, like, the roster overall being very strong, um, you know, offensive line, defensive line, et cetera. So, I, I mean, I think Hartman gives them a puncher's chance. Their schedule is difficult. Um, you know, Ohio State here, USC here, Clemson in South Carolina is is tricky. And I, I do think their, their ACC draw this year with Pittsburgh, Duke, NC State, Louisville, um, and then Wake at the end. I mean, Wake is probably going to be a little bit down as they, you know, Sam Hartman was everything there. But those other matchups, I think NC State in particular, with Brendan Armstrong, um, Robert and I taking as our offensive coordinator, like it's a it's a tricky draw. Like, and I in part because like I, I realize I don't get Florida State who will be up, but like you're sort of getting some non top brand schools that could be kind of your sneaky nine and three types. Uh, and those those teams might be good enough to snap Notre Dame's winning streak against the ACC in regular season contents, which I think even Jim Phillips brought up at ACC kickoff is like, could we get this over with already? Uh, the winning streak, I think we were up at 28 games by now, going back to a 2017 game at Miami, which I think we both covered for probably different publications at that time. But yeah. um Notre Dame has not lost a regular season game against the ACC since, but I think this is one of the trickier draws they have in the league. 
I agree. I, I think you're right. I mean, you look at, uh, and, and we'll talk about maybe who the third best team in the league is in, in, in a minute, but um, I, I think you look at that schedule. I mean, Louisville with Jeff Brom uh, and, and the 25 transfers that they picked up, they were very good on the defensive side last year, one of the best teams as far as getting after the quarterback. I don't think that's an, an easy game for them. Uh, what is that, October 7th on the schedule? Um NC State, uh, you know, this is a team that won eight or nine games last year, always seems to win eight or nine games. Um, you know, I think the streak could end <laughs> this coming season. And I would guess that Clemson might be best positioned to do that, you know, having to play that game November 4th. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more about as far as what the Irish need to do in your mind to have a chance. Um, is, is it the defensive side of the ball? Is it the offensive side of the ball? Is it special teams? Where do they maybe need guys to step up? Because Hartman's an upgrade, right, at the quarterback position. But where else do they need somebody to really flourish? Where they really, I think, need the biggest surprises along the defensive line. They they lost Isaiah Foskey uh, as a second-round pick last year, uh, program's all-time leader in sacks. Like, could be a dominant college player in moments. Um, I don't know who they have on the defensive line who could be a dominant player in moments. Uh, Riley Mills, a defensive tackle, is a maybe. He who he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list last year. But there's it's just like the defensive end, the inability to get pressure on the quarterback, I, I think is probably what stops Notre Dame from making the playoff this year. Um, they've had very good defensive lines each of the last five years. But it's like if, if you could put sort of like a, a Jared Verse from Florida State in this on this defense i think it would that would be a one and a half win improvement like just to have like a dude coming Mm -hmm. off the edge that you had to account for and they don't they don't really have anybody there you know Notre Dame's offensive line should be great um two future pros at offensive tackle joe alt being the maybe a top 10 pick a year from now their running back position is is solid um audrick estime is the, the lead guy there he should be outstanding they they have to replace michael mayer at tight end um, but I, I think the receivers will be better in part because the guy getting on the ball will be a lot better. Um, I do think, I don't think it's too much to put on Hartman to think that he improves essentially every position on the offense. Um, I think Notre Dame was that, uh, down at quarterback last year where they, they just were not functional as much as they needed to be, uh, in modern college football. But I think, I think Hartman, Improves everybody in the offense. The secondary should be good, especially at corner, and their linebackers should be good. But uh, the defensive line is my, by far my biggest concern with this roster. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What do you think of the change at, at offensive coordinator? Not handled very well in terms of how it was executed. Um, and, you know, what happened with Andy Ludwig of coming out for an interview, very public, um, you know, he goes to the hockey game, he's on the Jumbotron. It's it's the kind of thing you do when the deal's done, not the kind of thing you do when you're still, like, negotiating a buyout. Um, and so that that really sort of blew up in Notre Dame's face. They, they end up elevating Jared Parker, uh, who has limited offensive coordinator experience at West Virginia, but not none. Um, but I, I like the way that Marcus Freeman sort of handled the offensive staff after that fact, where you bring in Joe Rudolph as your new offensive line coach, who has offensive coordinator experience in Wisconsin, and bringing over Gino Gadulli from Cincinnati, who has offensive coordinator there. So it's it shouldn't be a situation where I have to put it all on Jared Parker, but I would have loved to have seen Tommy Reese stick around to, to see what this would have looked like with him and Sam Hartman working together. But um, Jared Parker with whoever was going to be the offensive coordinator was going to have a really nice year because the quarterback is in a really healthy spot right now. So it, um, it's just on Parker to take advantage of the one year Notre Dame has with Hartman. As a Miami guy, I'm required to ask the Notre Dame guy this question. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, I got the sense that to- before Tommy Reese left, they were kicking the tires on bringing him in to play quarterback. What can you reveal about that? Was there was it always going to be Hartman, or did, was there an actual chance that Van Dyke uh, was pursued there? I don't there? think that Van Dyke was ever their top choice, um, okay. but it, it, it was hilarious to me. Like You look back at... Okay, you had Devin Leary, Brandon Armstrong, Sam Hartman, Tyler Van Dyke. It was like, pick an ACC quarterback. <laughs> Who wants to come to Notre Dame? Um, Hartman was always the first choice. Um, I mean, it was interesting to you hear like the Van Dyke rumblings with Alabama after Reese goes there, right? right. But mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm very confident to say that Hartman was always number one. Um, but that doesn't mean that they just put all their eggs in that basket and just hoped it would work out. I think that'd be sort of roster mismanagement if you approached it that way. Fascinating uh, storyline. Certainly all the quarterback movement in the league, as you mentioned there. Um, Let's get into Florida State and Clemson because uh, Florida State's one of the few teams that actually is, I guess, going to have a third-year starter in the league this year. I think Florida State can beat Clemson uh, probably in the first meeting uh, just because Kate Klubnick's, I think it's going to be his fourth or fifth college start uh, by that point, by the time those guys hook up. Um, what is your read on Clemson? Notre Dame absolutely destroyed them last year. Uh, they got thoroughly embarrassed uh, by Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. What is your read on what Dabo Sweeney has, and do you think this Florida State team can pull it off? Uh, I think Florida State absolutely can pull it off. It's like I, I like Jordan Travis a lot. I mean, even going back to when uh, Notre Dame and Florida State hooked up to start the 2019 season, I think, or 20, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, maybe it was 2021. I'm, my Notre Dame years sort of bleed together here, but 
it ended with Brian Kelly joking about executing his own team. Anyway, that's, that's how we all remember <laughs> right. the game. Um, I like Travis a lot. I think he's a dynamic sort of dual threat. Um, and what I saw from Kate Klubnick in very limited action last year when they came up to Notre Dame was a quarterback that just didn't know what he was doing yet, which is natural for a true freshman. I get it. But that is such a big experience gap in terms of what you have at the quarterback position. And I mean, Florida state has some dudes at receiver and I mentioned verse earlier at the same time where Clemson's defensive line essentially gets cleared out um, by the NFL draft. It's not, it just doesn't feel like vintage Clemson anymore to me. And that's not to say they're not going to be good. Um, you know, they're not going to win 10, 11 games that it, it's not even to say they're not going to win the ACC, but I think it is completely logical to back Florida State as the team that does it this year. Um, it feels like they're built to do it. I have a lot of respect for Mike Norvell, um, and I think he's sort of been able to kind of build and build and build at Florida State, and like this is the natural next step, and it, it feels like they have the roster to do it, um, whereas at Clemson you have you have questions at quarterback again, um, and that's not to say Klubnik won't be good down the road, but fifth start, fourth start, that's a that's a lot to ask um out of a, a kid going into a sophomore year. I agree. Uh and, and you know, Garrett Riley is a wizard. He's he's certainly proven himself uh as a coordinator and what he's done at SMU and then TCU last year. But you're still dealing with a with a very young quarterback who may be very good um by the time he's draft eligible and one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But to play that game at you know at the end of September um, and yes, the Clemson will be at home. Uh, but I, I just think this roster, uh, they've, they're kind of young at the receiver position because, you know, Dabo just doesn't refuses to take transfers. Guys go out the door and he replaces them with freshmen every single year. And they're so, um, they were so underwhelming, like with the yeah. young guys, it wasn't because they've been young at receiver before, but the young guy was Justin Ross mm-hmm. and you're just like, holy crap. Like, where do they get these dudes? Last year was Bo Collins, who was a four-star prospect out of California. And, I mean, the Notre Dame game, I think he got two block-in-the-back penalties on the first drive because just he didn't know what he was doing. And they have, they have lacked dudes at receiver for a minute now. And that when you don't have that at Clemson, the way they play offense, I just – it's tough. It, it, it's tough to score the way you need to score. So, I don't – they they really showed – how much of a step back I think they'd taken at receiver last year. And that's that's going to have to change because like there was a style of receiver at Clemson, whether it be T. Higgins or Justin Ross, but and the, they've missed on some guys and it, it's just hard to keep. It's hard to hit over and over and over again. And I think they're that's finally catching up to them. Yeah, and I, and I would venture to say Florida State's offensive line is probably better now, which a couple of years ago, especially, you know, you covered that, Notre Dame FSU game in Tallahassee. They were pretty awful. And it's an incredible job what Alex Atkins has done to revamp that unit. They've obviously used the transfer portal really, really well. And, and that's the, the strength of it. But they are one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country. I think I counted seven or eight guys with over a 12 or 1300 snaps played in college, a bunch of starts. Um, yes, maybe they're not all super quality, you know, going to be NFL draft pick type guys, but 
uh, you can you can certainly get by with seven really experienced offensive linemen and make some noise. Uh, I think you know they'll have the edge there. And I would say this about Clemson's defensive line when you just look at that matchup. Uh, you mentioned Brian Brzee and, and Miles Murphy and all the guys that were drafted. Um, I like the first four for Clemson. I think uh, they're going to have guys that can get to the quarterback, but the depth, they are counting on a lot of freshmen, and they have a very good recruiting class that they brought in, but they're counting a lot of freshmen to create problems for Jordan Travis as far as their rotation is concerned. And I, I just, I don't see how that happens. Maybe by the end of the year, they get their act together. Maybe by mid early November when Notre Dame visits. I mean, that right. would surprise me. Yeah. Maybe by then they're ready to go. I just think uh, it's going to take a little while. I will say Trenton Simpson, um, you know, losing him at linebacker, you're like, well, that's, that's a big loss, right? But you got Jeremiah Trotter, Barrett Carter, Wade Woodaz, who they're all super excited about. They will have the best linebacker core in the ACC. So, uh, they will have that. But I, I still think this, like you said, this isn't the old Clemson that we're used to seeing. They're counting on a lot of young guys to deliver. Well, it's like the old Clemson was so dynamic offensively, and that has gone away over the last couple of years, but they never got their ass kicked on defense. And like Notre Dame kicked their ass on defense last year. Like I, it was hard to understand what you were watching um, as a Notre Dame beat writer, as a Clemson beat writer, as a neutral observer. And that, like, that I think, like, once that gets punctured a little bit, I think it's, I think it's hard to get back to this is who we are, this is our identity. Cause you, the other teams always got to be wondering, like, are, is this where they tap out? Is this where, can we grind them down through four quarters here? And, if you have an experienced offensive line and Florida State does and Notre Dame does, like there should be there's no fear factor with Clemson and their front seven anymore uh, after the way last season ended. And, you know, it's like even you look at the Wake Forest Clemson game, which was one of the more exciting ACC games all last year. Sam Hartman just chucked it all over the place. Um, I don't think there's much fear factor with their secondary right now either, which is you look at the the 2018 and 2020 Clemson teams like. Those those were dynamic, all across the board on defense. I, I just there's a, a serious lack of that attitude or those kind of like difference making players out there at all three levels. Yeah, I uh, let's make a prediction here um, before we get into who's the third best team in the league. Uh, is Florida State or Clemson are either of them getting into the college football playoff this year? I feel like Florida State could. Um, and I like them a lot more than I like Clemson to make it, you know, because it's, it's like the schedule is set up. If you get a win over LSU to start the season, like you're in the driver's seat the rest of the way. Um, I mean, Florida State could have two of the best wins in college football by the end of September. That, you know, that has a lot of staying power. Like you're in the conversation the rest of the way as long as you don't. Uh, screw up or stub your toe. So I, I'm not saying Florida State's going to beat LSU, but I would rather have that opportunity out of the gate than what Clemson has where you sort of have to wait for Florida State to come. You have to wait for Notre Dame to come. Um, I, I, I think Florida State with an old team, they're going to be in a position to get a big-time win out of the gate from over an LSU team that, is you know what co-favorites with Alabama to win the West like mm-hmm. that that's just the that kind of scalp that can get you into the playoff uh maybe even with a loss along the way and just not a lot of other teams are going to have that kind of opportunity in a conference I think Florida State's going to be very close I just don't I don't see them getting in and and 
part of it is just I, I went to the Wake Forest game last year when Miami had a bye week and I was sitting in the press box and, and you know, Florida State was so excited about its start. And I saw Sam Hartman just pick them apart. And I know Jared Verse was injured and at, at the time and, and they were badly missing him. But I still didn't see sort of that killer instinct that you want to see out of a out of an older team. And they end up losing the following week to NC State, a game that they should have won. And I just think Florida State's going to stumble somewhere along the way. I hope not. It'd be great for Florida State uh, and the league for the ACC to have somebody make the playoff. I just think uh, they could very well lose that first LSU game, beat Clemson, um, and then drop another one later in the year that they probably shouldn't. Maybe it's the Pittsburgh game um, where they got to go on the road and play Pat Narduzzi's team. Uh, but I could see that sort of holding them out and, and, you know, they'll be a top 10 team. I just don't know that they'll get into the playoff. Yeah, take. I'm with you. It's like, I just, Clemson just doesn't seem like they're going to have the material. Um, you know, Notre Dame, Florida State, maybe twice. Like, I don't see Clemson sweeping those three games. Uh, and I think they probably would have to sweep those three teams to make the playoffs. Whereas Florida State, they've got the degree of difficulty is harder. But I think that's a positive because it gives you, a little bit more wiggle room if you do lose one. If you if you lose a close game to LSU and LSU wins the SEC, that that may ultimately help you in the end, opposed to hurting you. Yeah. Well, it'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, there'll be must see TV all season, I think, uh, especially if Travis is in the Heisman race, which a lot of people think he will be. Um, I think Clemson again, they're they're fascinating just because everybody wants to criticize Dabo, right, for not taking uh, transfers. And if it blows up in his face, uh, I mean, that is going to be a, a storyline where people are going to criticize him, saying, "Hey, Clemson's falling apart because you don't want to get with the times, man." So uh, we will see how that plays out. What is interesting to me, and I went around uh, Charlotte last week for the ACC kickoff, asking various people this question. Who is the third best team in the league? Because clearly Clemson and Florida State are ahead of everybody else. Uh, I wouldn't dare say Miami. I'm smarter than that, Pete. Um, What's your take on the third best uh, team this coming season in the league? I am torn. Well, I I like Mike Elko a lot. I think Duke will take a step back. Um, Mm. I think they sort of punched above their weight last year and like full credit to them for doing that. I'm torn between... North Carolina because of Drake May and NC State because of the everything else. Um, not that Brennan Armstrong can't put it together uh, in his only year there, but I, I just like the way that program is built. Like they, they are always good in the front seven. I think they have a good secondary as well. Like that to me feels like maybe that's the team that trips up. Uh, you know, one of the the, uh, the two title contenders along the way, um, and they end up in the ACC championship game instead. Like that's, I think I'm leaning towards NC State, but man, having seen Drake May play in person, <laughs> man, and Caleb he Williams a, in the same season, they're both really fun to watch, but <laughs> I was so impressed with Drake May, even in a loss last year that I, I'm leaning towards him and, and North Carolina, but I just think uh, NC State as a roster overall, it's kind of hard to walk away from that. Let me look at what the media, you know, since we're experts at this stuff, I want to see what the preseason poll that I voted in came out as here, and I have it. Uh, Clemson, Florida State, so North Carolina was next with five first-place votes. NC State was fourth. Miami, fifth. 
Oh, God, people still voting for Miami. Duke and Pitt tied for six. Louisville, eighth. Wake Forest, ninth. Syracuse, tenth. And then Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Virginia. Um, yeah, I, I'll i say this for Miami. Um, I think Mario Cristobal has done phenomenal uh, as far as bringing in better players. Like he's I'm going to say, I'll say this, it can't be any worse. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I it, it Listen, five and seven, Middle Tennessee State, that yeah. was, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a lower point, but then I covered Miami losing to FIU a few years ago. So, I mean, listen, it just, there's always a new low to hit when you cover Miami. Um, I'll say this for Mario. He is an excellent recruiter and he has backed it up. Okay, and the kids that he's brought in in this 2023 recruiting class, which finished seventh, he's got some really good sort of old school Miami type guys when you when you look at them. The problem, Pete, is I did this, you know, freshman report all of last season where I'm looking at all the true freshmen and snaps and so forth. They just don't play true freshmen. I mean, the impact, right, that we have like, oh, freshmen just get on the field right away and they can help. I mean, LSU, I think, had two offensive tackles that were a big part of their success, um, two offensive linemen. Texas started two true freshmen. Miami is counting on Francis Maui Go to come in at right tackle and be elite. And I believe Francis Maui Go will be a very good player at Miami. He'll probably be a first-round pick one day. Um, but that's the kind of deal that you're in where he's you're counting on 18-, 19-year-olds to come in and be your starting right tackle. You're counting on... Uh, a Reuben Bain, who's one of the best young pass rushers, pass rushers in the country, to get you a lot of sacks because the guys that you've had here and the guys that he's inherited go five and seven. And so I think Miami will improve. I think they are a seven to eight win team, which when you go five and seven, that's an improvement. Um, but I don't think they're going to be in the race uh, for the ACC title. I think they will uh, have two tough road games at North Carolina and NC State that, that are just going to be really difficult for them to win. If they win one of those two, that probably gets them to eight wins. Uh, and they still got to beat Louisville at home. So I look at Miami and I say, um, that's great. Uh, step forward. But there's still any, there's still a long ways away. So I, I hate, you know, the Miami fans are tuning in to hear my opinion on the ACC and where they finish. I'm sorry. I think they're a middle of the road team this year in the league. The team that I have third, and you mentioned Drake May with North Carolina, the team that I have there that we really haven't talked about, and that's Pittsburgh. And I know, I know some people are looking at, at, at the Panthers and saying, well, look at all the, the dudes they lost off that defense, right? That got drafted, Kalijah Kansi, first round pick. Um, Pat Narduzzi runs a program, Pete. He's, he's, yep. he's had some success, and I think he deserves a little respect. Oh well, I mean, yeah, Pat Narduzzi would love to hear you say that. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think he's he's all ears for slights, real or perceived, uh, <laughs> in the media. I, I'm with you on like they have just sort of a factory of defensive linemen that they can find from anywhere, and they turn out to be studs. Even though they're three stars out of high school, nobody ever heard of them. Um, Phil Dracovic, former Notre Dame quarterback and former Boston College quarterback. Is he going to be good enough to get you to nine wins? I don't. I don't know. Um, that is, and they and they they come to Notre Dame in uh, in October, so that's that's a tough sort of non conference game for them. Um, they're they're tricky though. I think Pat Narduzzi, for how much crap he takes, is a really good coach, um, and I he sort of developed this mental this toughness mentality there where. 
you just know what you're going to get from Pittsburgh. It's it's sort of like what I think Mario was trying to get to at Miami, where you know you're going to just be in a fight. Um, Pittsburgh, you're always in a fight. Like Notre Dame, really good Notre Dame teams have struggled with Pittsburgh because they're just a pain to play against. Um, so I I could see that because I think that they're a team that will probably be locked in all year. That's I don't I don't think it's a team that. You know, if North Carolina goes sideways, is Drake May fully into it? You know, he's first overall pick. Like the narrative can change very quickly at those places. Whereas Pittsburgh, I feel like they're just going to be all about Pittsburgh. Uh, and Pat Narduzzi does a really nice job of kind of like getting this us against the world vibe happening there. Um, I could I could see them with a puncher's chance. You know, coming in third in that league and maybe making. Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, sweat if they meet, wherever they meet uh, down the road. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Question thrown in here by our producer. Could Duke make some noise? I like that question because I like Mike Elko quite a bit. I think the over-under for wins, I don't know if it's listed here, Um, but Duke did win nine games a year ago. Um, And Riley Leonard, uh, he was a flyer uh, in the Heisman draft for for Nicole Auerbach. How do you feel about the Blue Devils, who I think they are – facing Notre Dame this year, right? They are. And that's, I mean, it's a tricky game for Notre Dame because it's the week it's at Duke and it's the week after the Ohio state game here. So that could be kind of one of those touch points for the season for Notre Dame, where if like that ACC streak ends there, um, it's going to be a panic situation uh, in South Bend. I just, I just don't think Duke is going to have the depth to win nine games again. Um, they were a surprise last year. I don't think that they should be a surprise to anyone this year. I, I'm totally with you on Mike Elko. I think he's uh, he was at Notre Dame for a year before he went to Texas A&M. And I thought what he did in turning around a, a, an awful Notre Dame defense in one year, the Miami game aside when they got boat raced uh, after five minutes, like they were very good all year with that one game exception. So I, I think he's a dynamic coach, really good communicator, smart, energetic guy, and they have they have a good quarterback. So if you have Riley Leonard, maybe you don't win nine games this year, but I feel like they they're not going to backslide to you know three and nine or four and eight. I mean they they should be a team that's going to a bowl game and has a chance to you know have a, at least a couple good moments along the way where maybe you get um, some of your in state rivals, but I just. 
it doesn't strike me as a team that's loaded in the sense like that, you know, the Florida State Notre Dame Clemsons of the world. Um, I don't I don't think they're built to go to compete at that level. I think we're going to have a lot of six to eight one teams in the ACC this year. It's you like know, the I Atlantic could, division never went away. Right. I mean, the, the, the coastal. Yeah. yeah. The, the coastal. Right. I think <laughs> I think we, you, we could probably put teams three through ten in, in a make believe coastal division. Just let them play. Yeah. For like, maybe uh, like the an, coastal expanded and really it's just Florida State <laughs> and Clemson. They're, they're, that's the only teams in the Atlantic at this point. Yeah, that's all they did. We just we invited a bunch of teams to the uh, to the coastal this year. Um, let's talk a little bit about Dino Babers before we finish here. Syracuse, he's been there a while, um, and they started off, you know, like gangbusters last year. Um, finished the year seven and six, I believe. Um, do you think he is the first coach gone, or could we see changes with? Uh, Boston College, Jeff Hayfley. What do you think happens uh, when we put on our crystal ball hat and we start looking ahead to the end of the year? And I was, a, I'm a little, I'm surprised Babers is still there. Um, you know, Syracuse is in the middle of nowhere. Um, they, you're like you said, they they got off to a good start and they've gotten off to good starts before and then fallen apart late. You know, Garrett Trader got hurt, just couldn't, he couldn't answer the bell really against Notre Dame, and that was sort of the beginning of the end of the season. So. I yeah, to me, Babers would be the first guy. Halfley, I still think Jeff Halfley is a good coach, despite the results on the field. Um, but man, it, that program has gone in reverse the last couple of years. Um, I know that they feel good about Emmett Moorhead to the point that, like, when Djokovic left, I don't, I don't think that they, they didn't sort of were sweating that. Um, mm-hmm. And Moorhead's got a lot going for him, but it's like you're on your third offensive coordinator in three years. Your your uh, defensive coordinator left for a non coordinator job in the pros, I believe. Um, it's it feels very tenuous in Boston College. I'm just not sure what the appetite is for a change there when you've extended him, and it does feel like he's got a good way about him, um, but. Man, you you can't have another season like you like they came to Notre Dame. They were non competitive with Zay Flowers at receiver. Like they could not move the ball. It did not look like they wanted to be here. Like when you get to that level, I mean, that's you're at the dregs of the conference at that point, and it's it's tough to see how you're just going to suddenly bounce back from that. Um, but he's got it. They got to show some competence this year. Um, and it, last year, I feel like they they really missed in a big big way. Pete, let's end it with this. Uh, ACC Player of the Year on offense will be? Well, Drake May, of course. Drake I mean, May. Like, I think you you did that nice survey, I think, talking to it. It's like, <laughs> I almost felt like the players were like, why are you asking me this question? Uh, <laughs> they were. They were. <laughs> uh, defense? Uh, Jared Verse. I like him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. If he's fully healthy, I mean, he had nine sacks last year. It, it feels like he's 12, 13 sacks. Like, kind of an all-American level type of production uh, in that defense and that team and have a spotlight on him in a good way that maybe last year he was a little bit more of an oddity as an FCS transfer from Albany, right? Like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that was like, who is this guy? And like, oh, he's quite good. Um, Now I think fully healthy, spotlight, big moments, like playing for an NFL contract. I think he's kind of a gangbusters year. Yeah, I'm going to go same too. Jared Verse as well. I just think uh I think he's going to put up huge numbers. Florida State's got a really good 
defensive line. They've got some some players around him that I think are going to free him up for some one on one matchups. So he could uh, could very easily be another edge rusher from Florida State who wins the defensive uh, player of the year award. And uh, yeah, so that's it, man. I think we're done. Did, anything else to hit on? No, it's just, I. I think unlike a lot of other places, Notre Dame's already a week into fall camp because they've got the week zero game against Navy. So it's like I, getting all these stories about conference realignment. I'm like dragged back into like off season thinking mode. <laughs> right? Like, no, training camp's already started. I'm already charting quarterback reps and linebacker rotations. I can't. I can't be thinking about television deals and the Big Ten expanding to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> it's too much, right? Come on, let's get to the football already. Uh, well, we, this very well may be the last year of the ACC if Florida State gets its way and everybody helps uh, destroy that uh, grant of rights. Never Could know. Be. Could be. No, I don't. Know. Will Notre Dame still have its four, five games against <laughs> former ACC teams? How will that contract work? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Thanks, Pete. Thank you all for tuning into Until Saturday. Be sure you're following the podcast on Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you'll be notified when new episodes are up. We always appreciate a five-star review. If you would, subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. You'll be updated when new videos publish, and we also go live every Saturday throughout the season. Remember, you can't spell Until Saturday without us. Till next time.